they are used to licensing farms and dairy plants and milk truck drivers, but they aren't usually all the same person. And so that intersection of all of those different positions coming together is a, a little bit, I think we maybe confuse them a little bit. Welcome to the 272nd installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, regenerative agriculture, regional food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Launching a new farming operation is always complicated, given all the financial, technical, agronomic, and bureaucratic considerations. Throw livestock, on-farm processing, and direct marketing into the mix, and the complications can quadruple. And what if you're doing all this on a scale that doesn't exactly fit the mainstream farming model? Consider Sella Langer and Emmett Fisher, who operate Oxheart Farm in western Wisconsin's Pierce County. The young couple, both are in their early 30s, purchased the 35 acres the enterprise sits on in 2017 after spending several years getting farming experience as employees and renters. The experience they gained was wide-ranging geographically. They raised food in both the Midwest and on the East Coast. Sela and Emmett also gleaned diverse experiences when it came to agricultural enterprises. They worked with both vegetable and milk production during those apprenticeship years. They also gained experience raising hogs and chickens. So, by the time they graduated from LSP's Farm Beginnings course, and later when they took a follow-up program called Journey Person, the couple knew they wanted to launch a community-supported agriculture enterprise that provided eaters a whole diet, along with vegetables, meat, and dairy products would be included in their farming operation. Taking such an approach to food production requires a holistic approach to planning and goal setting, skills they were able to sharpen while enrolled in Farm Beginnings and Journey Person. Farm Beginnings is a 12-month training session that helps beginning farmers clarify their goals and strengths, establish a strong enterprise plan, and start building their operation. The course uses a mix of farmer-led classroom sessions, on-farm tours, and an extensive farmer network. During the class, Participants establish quality of life goals and clarify their values, learn about whole farm planning, marketing, and financing, write a farm business proposal, and learn from other innovative farmers. Journey Person is designed to support people who have several years of managing their own farm under their belt and are working to take their operation to the next level. The course involves advanced farm business planning, training in holistic management, a match savings account, and a mentorship, as well as guidance on balancing farm, family, and personal needs. Today, Oxheart Farm has a 75-member CSA. They not only grow vegetables for consumers, but raise chickens. They have also produced pork. But perhaps the most surprising enterprise is the grade-A micro-dairy Sella and Emmett launched in 2021. When I say micro, I'm not exaggerating. It produces milk seasonally from three to four cows. The pasteurization and bottling plant, which has been set up in a former garage on the farm, is designed to handle around 50 gallons of milk a week. A typical 100-cow dairy would churn out 4,900 gallons of milk weekly. They market bottled milk and yogurt through their CSA and a few retail outlets in the area. They also sell through A to Z Produce and Bakery, a CSA in nearby Stockholm, Wisconsin, owned and operated by Emmett's parents, Robbie Bannon and Ted Fisher. Despite the dairy's minuscule size, setting it up came with giant technical and regulatory challenges. The dairy industry in the Upper Midwest simply is not geared to support an operation that measures daily output in tens rather than hundreds or thousands of gallons. Processing that milk on farm adds another wrinkle. 
This is something that's quite rare, no matter what size of dairy operation you're talking about. The rules are the same, whether you produce dairy products from four cows or 4,000. In the end, government regulators and technicians can only go so far in answering questions. There comes a time when one needs to talk to other farmers who have jumped through similar hoops. It turns out Oxheart requires five permits just to produce, transport, and sell dairy products. While enrolled in Farm Beginnings and Journey Person, Emmett and Sella learned the value of networking with established farmers who were carrying out the kind of enterprises they wanted to pursue. Through the Moses Farmer to Farmer Mentorship Program, they were able to connect with different established farming enterprises and began tapping them for knowledge. The Moses Program pays the established farmers to be available to field questions from beginners like Emmett and Sella. One of the mentors they relied heavily on was Francis Tickey, who operates Radiance Dairy, a small grade A milking operation and bottling plant in Fairfield, Iowa. Tiki was able to guide them through the million little details required to legally and safely produce milk on farm. I recently visited Oxheart Farm and got a tour of their vegetable and dairy enterprises. Afterwards, Sella talked to me about the critical role having mentors on speed dial has played in getting their business off the ground. She also talked about how maintaining a sustainable size is important to the couple and how farm beginnings and journey person gave them the skills to resist growing just for the sake of growing. Sella, you and Emmett had showed me around a little bit with your farm here and some of the things that you're doing. And what was interesting is you had talked a lot about when you first took Farm Beginnings, one of the things you learned from that was you couldn't do everything. That that was a really important lesson. But you are still doing quite a bit of things. You're doing a micro-dairy and you're doing a... 75 member CSA and uh, you also sell eggs have egg egg production and have done some some pork production I believe that kind of thing but one of the things you had talked about that I think is really important is with the micro dairy particularly you really benefited greatly from having mentors that you had kind of gotten to the point where there were other Farm Beginnings grads, other neighbors, friends that you were able to get information from, but the you had kind of, I wouldn't say tapped out that, you know, they were still willing to do that, but they, you, had gotten, you were starting to get into some real details, particularly with the dairy, about questions you needed answered where you needed kind of that next level of somebody who maybe was being compensated for their time and had some specialty experience in that area that they could provide. And also, I think one of the things you said was you'd gotten to the point with the regulators, because there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through in, in a regulatory sense. They had said, well, it's time for you to hire a consultant. <laughs> and that wasn't really in the cards. You're not that big, big enough, you felt, sounds like, to do that. But can you talk a little bit about the importance of the kind of the mentors that you, you've worked with a little bit? Yeah, as you said, we have a lot of people in our lives who we turn to for help a lot especially our families, um, our parents and, and friends. And we've found some other farms who are doing very similar things to what we were aspiring to do, who we have asked uh, for a lot of advice, and we've looked a lot to the things that they're doing and the way that they have their enterprises set up. But, yeah, we did reach a point with our setting up our grade A dairy plant uh, where the questions that we had were so specific and so numerous um, that it felt like we really needed to find somebody who was doing specifically grade A, specifically on-farm processing, specifically 
grass-fed and in a small town to be able to answer those questions and and really for us to be able to feel comfortable asking as many questions as we needed to because we didn't feel like we were wearing out the welcome mat because we had a formal arrangement we had it you know set up where they were uh, being compensated and so talking to Francis Tiki was really helpful I would keep a running list all the time of questions as they came up you know I'd have a list in my notebook or on my phone questions for Francis and <laughs> that was uh, I'd carry it around with me and whenever something came up I'd write it down and then when we'd have our phone call uh, to check in I would just run down the list with him and being able to do that without feeling burdensome to somebody was very helpful and important to us. You're at that size where you don't really want to get any bigger with the dairy you have these facilities are really kind of custom made for a certain number of cows and you know I was looking at your bulk tank it's the cutest little bulk tank I've ever seen but anyway it's uh it's really a certain size that you're looking at so you have a certain in some ways the regulatory world isn't really fit for you but you had mentioned even so you have to you've got like five permits can you kind of run through all the permits that you've had to kind of get just to do the micro dairy yeah so in order to be uh, a grade a farm as well as a grade a dairy plant there are quite a few permits and licenses that you have to acquire and it's the same whether you're milking four cows or four thousand cows i believe farm had to be licensed as a grade a farm the dairy plant had to be licensed it's actually a grade b license with a grade a permit i had to be licensed as a pasteurizer operator um, which entailed studying the this big manual there's this document called the pasteurized milk ordinance that everybody in the country follows for grade a and all of the pasteurization information is in there so study that take a test get the license and then in order to transfer milk from our milk house which is the farm to our dairy plant. I had to have a bulk milk weighers and samplers license, um, and that's also for sending our monthly samples to the lab for testing. Our own lab had to be licensed as a a drug residue screening lab, Mm -hmm. and I had to be certified as an industry supervisor uh, to do the drug residue screening. Wow, that's amazing. It's a combination of you have to know gather information from the regulatory agencies, but then also really talk to somebody who's gone through that, somebody like Francis Dickey or somebody. Yep. They are used to licensing farms and dairy plants and milk truck drivers, but they aren't usually all the same person. And so that intersection of all of those different positions coming together is a a little bit, I think we maybe confuse them a little bit. Um, so I'll get letters in the mail from, from the department about my farm and my dairy plant as if they're two separate things. Oh. And we don't think of them that oh, way, right, but right, it is. Yeah. They're regulated separately. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a really interesting point. Can you uh, mention one or two things that you really, where you were kind of really running up against a, a brick wall and it really helped to have been able to pick up that telephone and ask somebody like Francis what 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 to do uh, and, and get some advice the drug residue milk screening was one of those areas there's some testing equipment that is very specific there are very few sources where you can get the 
the supplies and the equipment for it, and uh, he was able to help me with the sourcing uh, and the setup so that we could sort of streamline our setup and just get what we needed to without, yeah, without going too far out of our way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you want to do everything, you want to do everything right, but then it's like you have limited resources. You want to go overboard and do way more than you need to do because you, you, you're limited on what you can, what your you know, financial resources and, and your certain size. Yeah, it's we definitely want to do everything by the books. We want to do it all so that it's easy for our inspectors to check, you know, check us off. Mm-hmm. But since their systems aren't set up necessarily for somebody our size, we need to sort of figure out how to fit ourselves into their box. You've taken both farm beginnings and journey person. The things that those really emphasize is goal setting and holistic planning and kind of figuring out if uh, what you're doing is leading to the goals that you've set for yourself or if you really, if, if you're just on a trajectory that maybe is a little bit out of your control. I get a real sense here, you folks are trying to build an operation here that is going to be financially viable and, and all of that, but you're not going to grow just for the sake of growing. And it sounds like that that training was really valuable for you because when you start out like any young farmer you're energetic and you'd seen been a lot of different farms and you want to try to do everything but it sounds like that that was a really maybe you did learn through that uh, holistic planning and goal setting how to strike that balance a little bit yeah we spend a lot of time every winter going back through reviewing each of our enterprises on our farm finding out what the weak links were, discussing improvements we're going to make for the next year for it to be more efficient more financially viable for it to contribute to our quality of life and um, we've really used the tools from Farm Beginnings and from Journey Person course to do that evaluation process and improve our systems every single year and when we consider adding an enterprise we also go through the processes that we learned through those courses to evaluate whether they fit with our farm business whether they fit with our life whether they're going to be profitable whether they're going to improve our quality of life um, or maintain at least maintain our quality of life and those have been extremely valuable tools all along yeah that's great i I know i asked you at one point earlier are you going to add any more enterprises and you had a pretty quick no you don't feel like you have to to be more successful, you're doing. You have to add more stuff. You kind of have settled on what you're going to do, but you're going to maybe go into that a little bit more intensely, kind of thing. Yeah, I'd say that with launching the dairy, we have really reached our ultimate goal as mm-hmm. far as farm enterprises. That has been the plan for a long time, and now that we've achieved it, we just want to spend the rest of our energy on improving all of our farm enterprises and making them more financially viable and more efficient and more ecologically sound. Mm -hmm. We feel drawn to striking balance with the ecosystem that we're working within and creating our own systems that work with those ecosystems and not against them and really just sort of improving our little spot here on the planet rather than using all of our resources up and burning them off.
LSP's Farm Beginnings program is currently accepting applications for its next class installment. For more information on the Farm Beginnings and Journey Person initiatives, as well as the Moses Farmer to Farmer Mentoring Program, see the podcast page for episode number 272 at landstewardshipproject.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org, or you can call 612-816-9342. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear to the Ground a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast platform you utilize. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.